So I'm excited about Team World Vision. Uh, oh, maybe you could tell. I got this shirt as a gift last week. I was at the first ever pastors and leaders of Team World Vision. And um, are, are Bridge Kids anxious to get out of here? You, well, just wait on that. We aren't there yet. <laughs> so... Um, I'm really, I really appreciate Team World Vision. Some of you are thinking about it, and I really hope you'll take the time. Uh, if you have any questions about it, that you'll just come right up here to the front afterwards for the uh, short meeting, and you're going to find it very helpful. Um, last week, we uh, were guests of Team World Vision in Carlsbad, California, and uh, in the sovereignty of God, we just happened to be placed in row 31 across the aisle from that lone runner on the Chicago shoreline, who is now the founder and national director of Team World Vision. And um, I just came away very impressed with who Team World Vision is, who the people are, and what they're doing. So, um, church, I think this is going to be an important one. Okay, let's get back to the future. Now back to the future. We lost back to the future. That is a 1975 DC-12 DeLorean How many knew that? 1975 to 1981, DeLorean made this car. It was the same model every year, and then they went car business. That car is the car of Back to the Future that was released on July 3rd, 1985. Okay, Bridge Kids, now I missed it. You are dismissed. Back to the Future. A science fiction adventure comedy it was released with great success, $381 million, the highest grossing film of 1985. It spawned two sequels that many of you have seen in 1989, Back to the, World, Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future 3, 1990. It was Michael J. Fox who played Marty McFly, and it was Christopher Lloyd who played the kind of mad scientist named Dr. Emmett Brown, Doc Brown. The original story, and many of you have seen the film, but you just can't remember what happened. The original story was about Doc Brown building a time machine, and it was that DeLorean. And um, that DeLorean took Marty and Doc back to 1955, where uh, Marty would meet his parents before they were together and before they were married. And um, the science fiction part is that the DeLorean is a time machine. The adventure part is that Marty is getting his parents uh, to meet each other and become a couple, and that Doc has to figure out how to get back from 1955 back to the future, 1985. The comedy part is Marty and Doc on the adventure. Here's my question. How do we get back to the future? How do we get back to the future? Back to our future. And that's what I want to talk about, our future. In 2014, a group of leaders at the bridge, 14 of them, there were elders and ministry staff and a few other key leaders and who... uh, We prayed together, and we thought together, and discussed together, and um, in that time developed uh, what we wanted to be the vision 
of the Bridge Church. And I'd like to take us back to the future this morning. We're going to look back at the Bridge Vision, which looks at our future. So let's just hit the refresh button. And because, uh, you know, I've preached on this before, and I know you can't remember anything about that. So here we go. Um, let's look back of what our key leaders have identified as vision for the bridge. The concept of vision starts with mission. It always does, or you're not going to know whether it's vision or not. It starts with uh, mission. And our mission is to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. This is why we exist. If we are not doing this, we might as well go out of business. This is kingdom business. That's what we're to be about. Help people connect with God. That's evangelism. It's about leading people to Christ. It's about helping them understand who Jesus is and what he's done for them so that they can place their faith in him. It's also about what we sometimes call discipleship. It's about helping people grow. It's helping them take next steps in their spiritual growth and developing them into fully devoted followers of Christ. And and we get that from Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We're going to look at that a little bit later. Our mission is our target. Our mission is our target. Uh, what do we shoot at? Well, what, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to, where are we, where are we going to go? And uh, if we're on mission, we have a target, and it's to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. What is vision? How is that different than mission? Vision answers the question, What would the bridge be like if we're successful on mission? If we just keep going toward mission and God leads us and God empowers us and God blesses us, what what would it look like? Vision describes our preferred future, what we would like to see. And we think uh, every church has a unique fingerprint about what that vision is going to look like. We have, uh, the bridge has certain gifts and resources and people, and God will use us to accomplish what he wants us to do. And we're going to have people in the future that God will bring, and they're going to help us accomplish our mission. And so what would that look like if we're successful? And so we've made uh, some descriptors. Uh, Today we're going to look at four of them of what it would look like if we're successful on mission. Number one is we dream of a church where people seek to be good news as they share the good news, where people seek to be good news. They want to be good news as they share the good news. Let's start with what is the good news. Let me remind you, the good news is about God sending his son, Jesus Christ. The good news is Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. The good news is we can be saved by grace through faith, and it's not about works. It's good news. We can uh, place our faith in Jesus Christ and be forgiven of sin. That's good news. But what is uh, being good news? Uh, How do you seek to be good news? Well, for some people, it's stop being bad news. It's hard to think about what's good news, but it's real easy to figure out what bad news is. It's people who don't represent Christ well. 
Um, this past week, um, I've been talking to my son. He's preaching this morning in Las Vegas. And with encourage um, the church about evangelism. And so, Dad, what should I preach on? That's the kind of things we talk about. And so I said, how about 2 Corinthians 5? And one of my favorite concepts is being an ambassador uh, of Christ. To represent him well. To go before him. To show people what Christ is like. That's good news. That's what we're to be to people. Good news. We are ambassadors uh, for Christ. That's what he's going to preach on. Colossians chapter 3 gives us, verses 12 and 13, gives us a picture of what good news looks like. Uh, Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, he's talking to Christians and Christians only, okay? God's chosen people, God's people who have been set apart for him. We're, set up, we're holy, we're set apart for God. And to be holy, we're holy, he said this minute, when you, you were sanctified, and to be set apart is always for service, okay? That's why you exist today, for service. For service to the true and living God. And here's what we're to do. Clothe yourselves with compassion. The idea is like putting on a clothes, putting on clean clothes, taking off the dirty clothes, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness. You know, be kind instead of being harsh and unfriendly and ignoring people. Be kind. Uh, be humble be, with humility. You know, d- don't walk into a room and look around and see how many people are lower than you. Be humble, you know. That's being good news when you approach people in humility. All people. Gentleness instead of harshness. I've been learning this all of my Christian life. Just ask my wife. She reminds me all of the time. It's just it doesn't come naturally at all. And I you know some work on a hurry or we have such high expectations of other people. And yet patience is uh, we wait on people. And we wait on God. doesn't mean we can't ever uh, confront somebody for not getting something done. But uh, be, being patient with people, uh, bearing with each other, cutting them some slack, forgiving one another instead of holding grudges. And, oh, you failed me that time and I'm never going to trust you. Forgive um, one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Uh, another key passage is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Uh, We're talking about what is good news? How do you seek to be good news? Here is another picture of good news. This is an ambassador for Christ. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that is, as we walk with Christ, as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, product is growth in our character. We become more loving. We become more joyful people. We we, uh, pursue peace. We are able to put up with other people forbearance. We're able to be more kind. Uh, There's goodness in us because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And faithfulness, the ability to stay on task of the mission, faithfulness. And against such things, there is no law. James 1.26 and 
27 gives us a slightly different uh, picture here. James says, he's just right down to the facts. Those who consider themselves religious. So James is talking to a Jewish Christian audience that really understands what uh, religion is like in Jerusalem. They understand rules and ordinances and uh, practices and traditions. Substitute, instead of seeing the word religious, just substitute the word Christian, okay? Those who consider themselves Christian and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their Christianity is worthless. Of a speech can be bad news, especially during the time of an election. You know, some Christians get so caught up. You know, I understand that people have strong feelings and there's a lot of controversial stuff going around. And I get it. I understand. I, I know what I agree with. I know what I disagree with. But how do we, how do we handle it? What, what is our attitude? And we have key passages that are right and wrong when it comes to, for example, our president. God is the one who's, who's raised up our leader and he's the one responsible, and we are to submit to leadership in our government. We don't have, the amazing thing is we live in a country we can totally disagree with, we can protest, and we have ways to do it with our speech or what goes on Facebook. We can honor people. People have dignity, all people, even those people who disagree with you violently, okay? Don't get caught up because... When you do, it's, it's uh, taking your validation away f- from your Christian perspective. Verse 27, religion that our God, that God our Father accepts. Christianity that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. That's what I love about Team World Vision. That is their focus is looking. A lot of those kids, by the way, don't have fathers at home that are walking in Africa for water. And it is extremely unsafe. And uh, Kim didn't mention it. I can mention it because I heard it in a different... And sometimes there's no family member that can do this except them. Go to, go to get the water. 1,600 die every day because of clean water. Kids, okay? Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. To keep oneself from getting caught up in the system of our world. To keep us from getting caught up in materialism and in immorality. All the stuff we, we face every day. That's what pleases God. That's what real Christianity is. That's good news. Question is, are you good news? Are you good news in your neighborhood? Are you good news in your workplace? Are you good news on campus, in your school? Are you good news in your family? Does your wife think you're good news when you come home? Do your kids think you're good news? Um, or do you have a negative influence? Or do you have zero influence? 
A lot, of, a lot of times we Christians think, well, I don't do bad things. Therefore, I'm good. Well, if we walk in the power of the Spirit, we're, we're going to have influence. We're going to impact our world for the kingdom because it's God's, He's the unstoppable God, no matter what. Okay. That's the first one. Good news? Are you good news or are you bad news? Second one, we dream of a church where every Christ follower is taking intentional steps toward full devotion to Christ. Every Christ follower is taking intentional steps. And that means you and me. I was thinking about that this morning. What intentional steps am I taking to continue to grow? I do good things. I trust God. And yet, can still get a little sloppy. I need to need to evaluate. I need to tweak. I need to realign. I need to make sure where my heart is. Matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty. I referred to this. Jesus said, "Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations." This is what our mission is based on: helping people connect with God and developing them into fully devoted followers of Christ. Make disciples. That's evangelism and then discipleship. It's evangelism and helping people to grow. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the role of the church, to baptize believers. If you haven't been baptized, that's a step you'll need to take. Be baptized as a believer. And then teaching them to obey. Everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you. This is the age. And so, um, steps to full devotion. This is when we talk about full devotion to Christ. Intentional steps to full devotion to Christ. Jesus instructed us, the church, to teach them to obey everything. Now, we're not going to be perfect in this life, but we're not there until we can obey everything. And uh, that's the goal. The goal is not, and I found this out, you've, some of you heard me say this, but you know, I, after I, I came to Christ at 25, I was an atheist, I kind of had a radical conversion, and I was excited, and I, and I read the Bible through as fast as I could, and I, I learned, and I grew, and I asked questions, and uh, within a two, couple of years, I, I could see, you know, I'm kind of okay, I mean, I look around at the elders and some of the other leaders in the church, and I probably know more than they do, and, you know, who's to say, you know, but, and I'm a good Christian, but that's not the goal. The goal is not to be a good Christian. The goal is to obey everything. And I just want to remind us of that. And so if we're, if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, we dream of a church where everyone is taking intentional steps. What is it that God wants you to do to continue growing so that you just don't stay where you are? But what can you do to keep growing as a Christ follower? We're not asking you to be perfect. We want you to be growing. That's why we have growth groups. Because we want you to evaluate, be exposed to the Word of God, pray together, be in relationship, and... um, Take steps for your own spiritual growth. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate 
Are you taking intentional steps toward full devotion to Christ? On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself? If 0 is uh, you have no interest in Christ and 10 is full devotion, how would you rate yourself? And we're not looking for good marks or bad marks. What I want you to do is just try to be accurate and think about what can I do to take the next... Maybe you're a three. You're really unhappy with yourself. Well, what did it, would it, and what, what's it going to do to get you to a four? We're not trying to get you to 10 today. What's it going to take you to get to a four? Maybe you're a six. What will it take you to get to a seven? You know, what steps? You know, just a few things that you could apply. One thing, what would it be? Is it, do you need to connect with God's word? Do you need to get in a group? Do you need to be baptized? Is there something that you need to keep yourself away from because it's not good for you? What step do you need to take? And commitment to serving others. A church known by our community. We want people to know we are here. We want the Chippewa Valley to know about us for our loving attitude, for uh, our commitment to serve. Uh, Back on November 20th, you know, our growth groups do outreaches. And back on November 20th, I was in a growth group. It was all in. And uh, we were to go to the church offices on a Sunday night for our outreach. And what we were going to do is stuff backpacks uh, with essential items that kids need when they're taking out of a meth home. They need things right away. They need, clean, they need new underwear because their stuff is all t- tainted contaminated. Uh, They need soap. They need shampoo. They need toothpaste and toothbrushes and um, extra things, maybe a few simple toys, maybe something for older kids, but they just need some essentials. And so we were involved and Bob Helt, um, who had done this before in a previous growth group, connected us uh, with this serving opportunity and we uh, fell into connecting with a class from the University of Wisconsin, you know, connecting with our community. And I thought that was awesome. So I go to the offices on November 20th, and I knew there might be some law enforcement, but I wasn't expecting the Eau Claire district attorney and the, an Eau Claire assistant district attorney and a detective from the sensitive crime unit there. And so here we are in our little office space hosting these people, and we have all this stuff spread out, And we're going to pack backpacks. But what I didn't know also was we were going to have Channel 13 cameraman there and Channel uh, 18 camera person there. And they filmed this. And we were on the nightly news, the 10 o'clock news. And that was just an example. And I I didn't orchestrate it. I was, in fact, a little uncomfortable about, you know, oh, here are these cameras. And, uh, but... God used it to send a message to our community about serving other people. Um, In John chapter 13, verses 12 through 17, Jesus taught his disciples about serving. He said, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. So this is uh, the night that... uh, Jesus was betrayed. It's a night before the crucifixion. 
He's, he's going to have the last supper with his disciples on this occasion, in this room. And he, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. He had just washed their feet. Nobody else, there's usually a servant washes the feet of guests when they come in. Nobody washed anybody's feet, and so he did it. He did not have the gift of washing feet, by the way. He did what needed to be done. He may teach her because it needed to be done. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's. Next slide. Feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. That's an example. It wasn't like, okay, we've got one more thing to do. We've got to wash feet. No, the example was serving. The example was humbling oneself and taking a a simple task, an unglorified task, and being a humble servant. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is his messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You want to be blessed? Be a servant. Because that's what Jesus was like. He did not come to, to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. John thirteen thirty four and 35. Later in the same passage, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. That's so Christian. We like it. It makes us feel good. It's a warm fuzzy. That's not what he meant. Love is a sacrificial commitment to imperfect people. This is agape love. It's the kind of love that God had for the world when he sent his son. You are imperfect, and he sent his son because of love. We're to have that kind of... This should be the unique thing about the church. The church should be so different than any organization on the face of the earth because of this. And this is not just a feel-good, hey, I like these people, they, they are nice to me. This is, a, this is a love of commitment. I'm supposed to love... So this, Jesus loved the church. That's about... Everybody knows marriage is about commitment. So this, the church is about commitment. High commitment. And uh, by this, Jesus said, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The way we treat each other, the commitment we have to serve, to be together, not just I attend sometimes. That may be where you're at, and I'm okay with that, except you're really not a part of the body of Christ. You're not connected to the body. Uh, God designed a high connection. I don't mean you have to be here every time the church does anything. You have to choose priorities. But the commitment to each other is high. And of course, it's impossible if you're not uh, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who enables us. Matthew 5, 13. But if the salt loses, Jesus told his followers, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. 
Or it's like saying, you are the salt of the earth, and if the salt becomes bad news, you're worthless. You have no impact, no effect. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Now he's made us the light of the world. We are to shine brightly and represent him well, to be ambassadors for Christ. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden because of the lights. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Next slide. Instead, they put it on its stand that it gives its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father is about the way we serve, the way we serve our community, the way we serve each other, the attitudes we have. You know, the attitudes that we have here at the bridge, in the groups of the bridge, gets outside into our world. People know a lot of information about us. They know if somebody it gets out there when we badmouth one another, it gets out there. Um, we are to shine brightly. And the impact has the potential so that others will see our good deeds and glorify. What does that mean? It means that people become followers of Christ and worshipers because of us, because of good deeds, because of the way we serve, because they see Jesus behind this. Okay. Number four, last one. We dream of a church where leaders are raised up and turned, uh, trained. It has been crucial for the church for 2,000 years. It's always been essential. We want to train leaders to have an impact here locally and to have an impact globally in our world because our mission is to our world. The danger for leadership is to keep it to a certain group, like forming a group of, for example, elders, and then just keeping the leadership there and not letting other people come in because, well, we're the leaders and we are the ones who know what's best and you're not ready. That's the danger for the church. Jesus gave us an example in... Matthew chapter 4, and all through the Gospels. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus handpicked his leaders. Uh, verse 18, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. So this is where Peter and Andrew, as the first disciples, are called to join Jesus for training in leadership. They were casting their net into the lake, for they were fishermen, Come, follow me, Jesus said. So he invites them to follow, to join. And I will send you out to fish for people. Because that's more important. That's what the kingdom is about. And so uh, he invites them. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Next slide. Two more guys. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. So Jesus uh, 
and he into leadership pretty much full-time, night and day, in their lives as they followed him, as he instructed them, as they watched his example. And they had the opportunity to ask a lot of questions. The Apostle Paul invested much time in training leaders. Uh, Timothy was one of those young leaders that he invited into leadership training. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. It's one of my favorite verses. All of these have been my favorite verses, by the way. And the things you've heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So the Apostle Paul gave this instruction to Timothy, young leader. Timothy, teach faithful men. That's a different translation. Teach reliable people. Not everybody is reliable. Not everybody is faithful. Teach, pick some faithful, reliable people and teach others. Who will in turn teach others? Who will in turn teach others? And that's how we got here today, folks, for 2,000 years. Somebody has been passing our faith from generation to generation and been teaching the Bible. And we have that responsibility to train leaders. In this past year, I invited uh, 12 guys to join me for leadership training. And uh, we focused on elder training. 11 of our guys finished the year. And out of this group is gonna, are going to come some of our future elders. The elders I identified... Three guys that we're going to present to the congregation for congregational approval next Sunday. Uh, They're Rudy Carlson, Kevin Keppen, and Luke George. And uh, when we approve leadership, uh, we evaluate them according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, godly character. Titus 1, godly character. We have two couples at the bridge. I was recently surprised that somebody, when these names were mentioned, had no clue that they were uh, going to the mission field. We have two, two couples, the Thornsons and the Hoffmans. There we go. Nick and Emily on the left, they're going to Turkey with Reach Global EFCA mission. Um, Matt and Christina on the right, going to go to Turkey with Reach Global. This is the opportunity to send out from the bridge. God has raised up these two couples from the bridge for, uh, we've done a lot of short-term missions. These are longer term. And Nick and Emily are looking at career and privileged to invest a lot of time in a couple of years. Who's invested a lot of time with Emily through the years. And Nick and Emily have invested a lot of time with Matt and Christina. Uh, passing, investing, and passing uh, leadership responsibilities on to other people. And uh, this is important for the church. This is important for the bridge. And this is one thing that's really, really hard for me is to give people away. And that's what we do in the kingdom. We raise up people and we send them out. And uh, we had that opportunity by the way, both couples need financial support, so feel free to support them financially. 
Okay, back to the future. Here we go. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is Jesus talking about the mission in another way. Acts 1, 8. Do we have Acts 1, 8? There we go. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This was right before he was. This is Jesus talking about mission in kind of a different way. This was right before he was um, ascended into heaven. It was right after his resurrection. So he's going to go. He's trained his disciples. And he's going to put the church that's going to be started in Acts chapter 2. He's going to put the whole thing into their hands. The 12 lay leaders. And he said, you'll receive power. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell people about who I am and what I have done for you. And you're going to go to Jerusalem. And this is the outline of the book of Acts. It started in Jerusalem, then to Judea, the province around, then Samaria, another province a little bit farther away where the Jewish people didn't want to go, didn't like it and then to the ends of the earth. And the gospel goes all the way to the book of Acts after many, many churches get planted in a short amount of time. We have a map. Eau Claire. It's our, it's our home base. It's where we start. We are to have an impact here. We are to be witnesses for Jesus Christ here. Okay, let's look at our Judea. That's our Judea. I would argue that all the U.S. is our Judea because it's kind of like-minded and it's our area. And we do need to have support ministry in the U.S., support ministry in our own state, outside of our walls, okay? And then that's to the ends of the earth. That's our responsibility. That's our mission, In James chapter 1, here's what James says. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. That's a danger of being in church, opening your Bible, reading it ourselves. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You know, the idea that you get up in the morning and you walk in and you look at the mirror and a lot of us don't look very good. And if we just headed out into the world that way, and the idea is we get up, we look at the mirror, oh, maybe take a shower, maybe I need to shave, maybe fix this up a little bit, maybe do something with the hair. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, into the mirror of God's word, and gives, that gives freedom and continues in it, following it, obeying it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Do you want to be in a place of blessing? This isn't complicated. Do you want God's favor on your life? Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. We've done four descriptors today. Next week, we're going to go back to the future two. So come back for Back to the Future 2. And uh, we're going to look at the final four descriptors. Let's stand and let's pray together. Our gracious God, we need to be people 
blessed by you. We need your grace. We need your help. We need your strength. We're so weak on our own. God, may we be people who take steps to follow you. Lord, show us what what are those things that we need to do? Just a simple step to obey, to go forward. If we're at a three, what what can we do to go to 3.5 or to four? Pray that you'll give us clarity and give us boldness to take. Thank you for the promise. For the promises of your word. Lord, help us to be good news. Show us when we're bad news. Help us to love each other so that the world will know that we are your disciples. Help us to serve. Help us to train up leaders. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen.